Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crush Podcast. This is a special episode. Today we are going to talk all about In the Wake of Dreaming, the first EP by the band Marina City. And I, your host, Ryan Argas, are joined by some of my two favorite people in the world, Eric Slamma Bam Bam Booma and <laughs> the Asian sensation. Diano, <laughs> old. <laughs> uh, this is a special episode because we have Diano himself. This is the first episode that he is joining us. We are so excited to do this because we're going to be talking about from the very beginnings. And even though Marina City is a five-piece band, you are talking to the original three right here. You are at least listening, and maybe you're talking in your car or at your office to us, but we're not listening. We're just talking to ourselves. So anyways, sit back, relax, get some popcorn, get some drinks, and enjoy us speak for about a half hour of the first EP in the wake of dreaming. All right, Boom. we are here for the In the Wake of Dreaming episode. So, welcome, guys. I'm glad we're able to do this on this quarantine afternoon. I know. This, this is working out pretty nice. I'm definitely excited to be here. <laughs> we are on a Zoom conference right now. We're recording ourselves individually. This is some 2020 stuff right now. We should maybe talk about why we're doing this episode in the first place and where In the Wake of Dreaming is right now. Yeah. Okay. Good. Touche. Well, I will say this. I think that personally for me, I've gotten really nostalgic uh, because of this quarantine, thinking about all the times that we've had together and all the shows and all the releases. And in my room that I'm currently in right now, I have plastered a bunch of memorabilia of Marina City. It's like a Marina City like uh, museum in here. So I've been looking at it and I was just like, guys, I kind of just want to like, talk about it. Like, it's, it's such a big part of our history, not only as a band, but as friends. And what better to reminisce about it and, than being stuck in a quarantine when we can't see each other? Yeah, and I feel like right now, In the Wake of Dreaming is kind of, um, it's kind of like a mythical creature. It's kind of just, it's kind of out there. People see it sometimes. People sometimes don't see it. But if you're a real one, you have it somewhere. I have one in my CD player, I know for sure. Yeah, well, just speaking on that, you cannot hear, as of right now, In the Wake of Dreaming anywhere. It's completely taken down. And we did that on purpose um, because Marina City has gone through a lot of different eras, and we want to make sure that this era that we are in currently right now is what Marina City, from this point on, is and what we want to really establish ourselves as people, as musicians, uh, as the band. And um, But we think that maybe it's a good time to bring that back for some of the OG fans and uh, do a little bit of a stream for that, maybe on SoundCloud or something. And we figured, hey, if you're new to the band uh, and you saw this on SoundCloud, we figured we might as well get you up to speed. Yeah, and it's it's been interesting too because uh, I think um, for some reason the quarantine has brought the nostalgia out in everybody. And we've gotten a bunch of questions in the past few weeks. Um Maybe it's, you know, because The Crush came out recently, but a bunch of people have been like, hey, where's uh, where's your old music? So we're, gonna, we're here to talk a little bit about that. 
and uh, reminisce on how he got here, right? Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, if you are new or if you're old here at the Marina City, um, we're going to take you all the way back, all the way back to the very beginnings of Marina City. And I feel like a lot of the times when this question gets brought up in interviews, you always hear my side of the story. I always talk about how I was a solo act uh, called Ryan Allen, uh, Matt, Eric, and the original members of Marina City, Brian, Ricky, and Mooney, were all the backing band of Ryan Allen. When I was just kind of done being a solo act, I became really close friends with these guys, and I wanted to ask if they wanted to create something brand new from scratch. And they all agreed, and we started Marina City from that. But that's always the side of the story I always talk about. I think it would be kind of cool if we heard from you two on basically like how you even got involved from your side of the stuff. How about Matt first? Because he started, he yeah. got in first. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> Diano. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, I guess how I originally started getting involved with Marina City and the Marina City crew. Um, yeah, we have to take it all the way back. I was a sophomore in high school. I was like a 15-year-old, young blood, just kind of, um, I really wanted to do music. And I really had no idea how to even tackle that big of an, like, of an idea. Like, I was just like, yeah, I want to do music. I don't know how I'm going to do music. I play, uh, I play drums. I want to play drums, and I was a drummer doing drums. <laughs> and uh, I, had taken, I, I had taken piano lessons all throughout uh, childhood, and I just, I hated it. Um, but, so I, uh, I, I initially had my own band that I was kind of doing stuff with back in high school. Um, and the singer of that band, he was like, hey, I know this guy. He's going to play bass for us for our show. And he brought in Ryan. And I was like, oh, no way. This guy was in a bunch of local bands in, in, in around town. And uh, pretty much from there, uh, my, my high school band broke up. Uh, Ryan had asked me, he was like, hey, uh, do you play anything else other than drums? Anything else, like anything. Uh, and, and, uh, and I was like, I play, I play piano, I guess I can, I can do keys. And as soon as I played keys for Mr. Ryan in my basement, I remember, uh, his words were, I have to get you in my band. You have to play for me. Like you, we're going to, we're going to take over. And I was like, I was so excited. I was literally like, holy fucking shit. Like, this is like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is it. Oh, can I swear on this podcast? Are we going to? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) Give it all you fucking got. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, like um yeah, from there I was like super ecstatic. I was like, man, I'm going to be in this band. It's going to be awesome. And uh that's where my story weaves into Ryan's where we were doing uh the backing bands from Ryan Allen and then um into that. I'll get into a little bit more later when we're talking about uh in the wake of dreaming itself, but um that's pretty much how I got involved with the Marina City Camp. I was just a young blood and Ryan was a senior in high school, and I was just a little sophomore, just waiting to be scooped up. <laughs> Impressionable. Boom. Yeah, and then uh, and then I I came I came around a little bit after Matt was like I guess officially into and Ryan Allen. Um, I had just graduated college uh, with a music degree. I was just a little chubby kid looking for a gig, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> So I started like scouring uh 
scouring Craigslist, and uh, and this this ad popped up for you know artist signed artists looking for a drummer, and I was like, this is it. I'm gonna be so famous. <laughs> and then I, I went and I like learned the songs, and I like went over to to Ryan's house to audition, and uh, they they saw past the you know the chubby kid and and decided to. Uh, to bring me on board, but uh, but I I feel like it was it was funny because to me I I I feel like Ryan Allen was was very short lived, and I by the time I kind of got on I feel like it was about to to transition into real band almost immediately, quote unquote real band. No no offense, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you know actually no, it's, but, it's, um, it's it's interesting. You know you're you looking into almost feeling like an outsider looking in because everyone knew each other at the time um, yeah. at some point. And then you were a complete outsider. Did How did it feel that it was like, oh man, I just got involved in this and now it's actually just falling apart? Or was it like, actually, maybe I have a future in this and actually being, making a band. How did that feel? No, I, I, don't, I don't feel like it felt like it was falling apart. It felt to me like, like we were, we had all just like unspokenly decided that we were going to be like a, like a band band and it wasn't going to be like a solo project plus backing band. Um, I want to say we played two, three shows as Ryan Allen. And then, you know, a lot of those songs that we were playing were a little bit different than what you had released as Ryan Allen. And I think we were all kind of looking at each other and like, at least my interpretation of it was I felt like we were all looking at each other and we were just like, all right, I think, I think these songs need to be sort of under a different umbrella. Um, and then, uh, uh, what, three, two or three of those songs became. Actually all, songs, all of them, the but all of them, but the first song. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, uh, I think that that's why what's so interesting about my next question was what was the writing process like for in the wake of dreaming? And it's weird because those songs had been around already for a year or so before Marina City was even a thing because they were mostly Ryan Allen songs. Um, I think the only, I, from from what I, and I may be wrong, but was When Friends Become Enemies really the only song that wasn't part of Ryan Allen? I think, um, I think there were a few songs that there, uh, that, I don't know actually. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot I of think, songs that I remember that were not a part of Marina City that were a part of Ryan Allen, but I actually don't remember if if, if it was only if Friends Become Enemies were, was like the new song for. I just remember that was the first and really the only maybe I, I just remember that was the first song that we wrote together as Marina City. So maybe maybe yeah. that's where I'm kind of getting a little uh, hazy on, but. but see, yeah, I mean, Ryan Allen was supposed to be, like, this real pop project, very bubblegum pop, similar to, like, uh, Justin Bieber at the time, Baby, you know, like, the, his song Baby and stuff like that. But then we were writing Goodbye, Lean, and we were writing, you know, Last Chance and, and all these songs. It was just like, how is this supposed to be a bubblegum pop artist? Um, you know, this doesn't make sense. So that's, like you said, Eric, we had to start making it like a band. It only It only felt natural. And I think at the same time, I just wanted to write music with you guys and as friends and like build something together. And I kind of felt that because it was my name attached to it, Ryan Allen, that like it almost felt like everyone else is just, yeah, you know, whatever you need me to play, I'll play. I'm not here to bring anything more creative. I'm not here to 
really do anymore because I'm just a hired gun, which I mean, that's, that is the point of a backing band. But I like hated that feeling. And I felt like, Hey, if we just did this together. Then maybe there would be more success and feel like it's, like it's our baby that we all want to push towards. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's pretty much exactly how I felt is that I, I, I felt like, like when we started playing together, we became closer and we became like actual friends and there wasn't that separation between like, uh, you know, band leader and band member, I guess it was all, we were all sort of on an equal playing field and we were like, well, like I want to be as invested in this as, as you. So let's jump into this. And I also want to say, I feel like, I feel like goodbye Eileen and fly away were the only Ryan Allen songs. Oh really? Oh, okay. And then Oh Chicago was an old song that you had. Yeah. Cause I'm, I, I'm definitely, obviously I definitely remember writing when friends become enemies and then I do remember us hashing out last chance. I remember that as well. I remember okay, yeah. specifically writing not all who wander are lost. I remember doing all that. There we go. Yeah, I remember doing all that with Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, Oh, yeah, dude. I actually do remember that because at the time we were losing a bass player and I was the one who played the bass uh, practicing uh, Not All Who Wonder I Lost before I think Mooney got in or something like mm -hmm. that. And uh, But that's the thing about In the Wake of Dreaming was those songs were all it's just a hodgepodge of different songs from different eras of like when I, you know, Oh, Chicago was a song before even Ryan Allen. And then, you know, oh, Fly Away and Goodbye Lean was part of Ryan Allen. But Brian brought in Goodbye Lean for another project. And then we had, it, it was just like a bunch of different songs that we, and the only songs we ever wrote. And we're just like, let's all put them on an EP and let's call it an EP and let's call it Marina City. You know what I mean? And that's what I think yeah. is so interesting about that EP compared to everything else is that we weren't even considered, well, until the crush, really, we weren't even looking to write an EP. It was just like we had all these songs. Now, what do you do with them? Now that we're a band, and I think the coolest thing that we did was record all of them, get it all set up before we even released that we were a band. I feel like too often now bands come together, they're like they announce they're a band, and then like like a year later, you're waiting for their debut EP, and it's like no, when we're coming out, we came out full guns blazing. EP songs like our quote unquote lyric videos that we made ourselves and Facebook and shows and everything else, you know, all lined up. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, sure enough, our first show ever is a sold-out House of Blues show, supporting the Action Blast and and bands alike. And I mean, like, you know, yeah, you were sixteen, so I was eighteen at the time. We've never even stepped into. I barely even stepped into House of Blues before. The only time I ever stepped into House of Blues before that was my parents was were able to like convince some worker to get us in so that we can just see it because they're like, my son loves music and he would just love to see what it looks like in there. And they're like, come on in. And then they told us this hydraulic floor and everything. And then a few years later, we're playing it 
And it's sold out. It's, you know, 1,600 people. And it's the first show we've ever played together as a band. Like, <laughs> how crazy that was. Yeah, that was a that was a crazy first show for sure. I definitely fucked up that intro for that show. <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous. I'm I could not believe it. I was like, this is the first time anyone is ever, and the last time that this is gonna be the first and last time that this is the first time you hear Marina City. <laughs> <laughs> and I <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we were, we played. Um, when Friends Become Enemies first, and that's the first track off the record. And in that beginning, there is uh, arpeggiated, um, uh, like, synth synthesizer. And it didn't, it didn't arp, right? It just, like, no, right? Yeah, yeah. First, it, the, the arpeggio didn't happen. And then I turned on the arpeggio. But then the arpeggio was at, the, it was at a too fast of a tempo. So then I had to turn down the tempo. And, and, and this all happened, like, in a, in a room... <laughs> A sold out house of blues. Like, <laughs> I felt like an and we idiot. just had, we had a really cool intro. We uh, oh, at the time was really cool, but pretty lame now. But anyways, we it's had cringeworthy man. What was the uh, <laughs> what's that song? It was uh, it's an orchestra song, and um, it was like a Hans Zimmer dun, dun, track dun, dun, from like dun, Batman, dun, right? Uh, no, no. Dun 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 dun. Just, yeah, that's it. That song. Yeah. And then and then literally at the end, it went some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> and then oh we went in. God. And then we went in. Oh shit. That was crazy. I mean, I don't I honestly don't think I've ever been more nervous for a show in my life. And I don't I don't think I ever will be as nervous as that show either. How are you gonna throw I don't know why? I don't know how that even worked out that we were even able to play a sold out show for our first show ever. Yeah. Um It was it was criminal. But we we got knocked back down very quickly right after that and had to build ourselves. You know, it wasn't like oh it was smooth sailing from there. We've had some crazy ups and downs. You think when that happens, you're like, oh well. Next year, we're, you know, we're the biggest band in the world. I mean, if we're starting to sold out House of Blues, where do you go next? Um, but <laughs> turns out you can go all the way back to the bottom and then build yourself back up many, many different yeah. times. I haven't even stood up from that, from that fuck up on the first show. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as a band uh, coming together, it's actually interesting because we just mentioned that, you know, these songs were kind of a hodgepodge of different kind of songs and all different world but what do you think as a band we were trying to be what was the vision do you think we even had a vision do you think that there was a clear vision what do you think that was hmm. i think like back then i remember for me personally i was like okay i was listening to a lot of these alternative rock uh pop punk bands but i was never i was never a rock person like in general, I was always like listening to pop music or hip hop or like soul and R&B and stuff like that. So once I found uh, this band, Go Radio, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what I want to sound like vocally for my singing voice. And I want to bring that into Marina City. Um, and I, I, I would think that we had like this aggressive sound with like with just some with some high vocals with some soaring vocals on it yeah i feel like mayday parade go radio the all-time lows and all those kind of things were so 
uh, prominent and what we wanted to be. And that's why it was weird being a solo act, but wanting to play shows with those bands. How are you gonna How are you gonna play with Mayday Parade and like all this stuff when you're called Ryan Allen? You know what I mean? It's just like you gotta you gotta come together and 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 do that. But you know, I think that. We started a president right in the beginning of like, oh, Marina City is going to be playing all different kind of styles, have all different kind of influences all over the place. And I don't think we really necessarily grew out of that because we're always doing something different and new. Um, but I do think that we came to a little bit more streamlined in what the songs are in itself, you know. Were you going to say something, Eric? Uh, I mean, it was a weird. it was weird for me, I felt like, because I did not listen to anything in the like the warp tour pop punk genre like this was all new you guys were all like yeah it's like mayday parade and go radio and sleeping with sirens and i was like what <laughs> so this is like i was just like trying to blend in as best as i could i feel like um but i mean like i i i don't know i mean i feel like the first ep was actually weirdly cohesive when it really shouldn't be. Yeah, I guess so. Like, there was definitely some songs that were more, more like, quote-unquote, pop-punk. Like, I think Goodbye, Aileen, specifically, was more, more pop-punk than the rest of the EP. Um, but I think we, we also wanted to, like, bring in some electronic elements and, like, still be heavy um, from the get-go. Forever the Sickest so. Kids was big back then, and so I think that was... And so was uh, Four Years Strong when they had still had a synth player. So I think we were like, oh, if we can blend this with this, we could do something really cool. Yeah, I, I also thought of uh, I also thought of drugs back then, too. Yes, drugs was a big... I think it became an even bigger influence on Chimera, but they def, it was definitely a big influence at the time, too. Um, you know, I think that it was interesting because it was just like, hey, we're a rock band and, you know, that's what we're going to be. And even though that we listen to all different kind of styles, we're just going to bring our different styles into this and, and call it a day kind of thing. Um, I think it's funny that um, that we picked to be in a rock genre where there are so many very, very convoluted, like, sub-genres of rock that are very descriptive, like this, like, black black metal or black dark metal or black sludge doom metal and or like or rock music or whatever and it's like we have always had a tough time identifying exactly what we are because we're always changing always playing different stuff <laughs> you know I, I think uh i i go in these i go in these head spaces where i'm like sometimes i feel like it's such a bad thing and then sometimes i feel like it's a good thing and recently i've been really inspired that we have been doing that because i mean just last night i was playing a live stream of a bunch of different music that we've played um, throughout the years. Uh, and then I was just listening to our old music now and listening to new music. It's just like, at least we were never boring and we've never been boring and we've been just creative since the day one. And since nobody can really put us down as one singular thing, I think that's what frees us to be able to do so many things and people just accept it. I mean, it's just like the other day, people asking, play Dreamers Never Die and then play Singing to Sleep and play Addicted and play, you know, Strawberry. And it's like, you can say all four of those songs and they're complete they they should not be a one singular band but somehow we make it work and the fans seem to really like it and that's what's super cool and maybe that it either says a lot about us or it says a lot about our fans but i think maybe a lot about our fans too so um let's talk a little bit uh about the writing session in general what was writing like who did the record why did we do the record with him uh we barely ever speak about michael govert 
who was the drummer of Every Avenue at the time. And how awesome would it be to be able to play or record with the drummer of Every Avenue? I think to me, and I think that's one of the big reasons why I pushed to record with him. But I think he was a perfect uh, engineer for that record. Yeah, we, we recorded In the Wake of Dreaming at Downbeat Studios um, in Chicago. I believe they're still around in Chicago, not in the same building, but they're still definitely around. Uh, with, like Ryan said, Michael Govert, and he was a drummer of a pop-punk band called Every Avenue that we all kind of, like, looked up to because they were, they were pretty popping at the time. Um, like, but going back even further with, like, the writing sessions for this, I remember a lot of them being in Ryan's basement, which is, uh, which is a huge difference from all of the history of Marina City because I believe for most of Marina City history, we've done the rehearsals at, at, at my, in my basement. So um, it's like, it's crazy that the first EP wasn't even written where most of the Marina City stuff was. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting fact. Yeah. Do you think that there was a theme for In the Wake of Dreaming? The theme for In the Wake of Dreaming? I don't know. I was, for me personally, I was so excited to be in a band and writing music. I was, I was just like, anything that I think is cool is going into here. And uh, I think that the things that we should focus on are, are some really catchy melodies and high vocals, high vocals, high vocals, high vocals, high vocals. <laughs> I think that, I think that's actually the theme. I think that when I think of In the Wake of Dreaming in that era of Marina City, I think of bright-eyed, bushy-tail kids just like so excited about everything and like everything's optimistic. Everything is so big to us. Every little moment that we have is just like the biggest moment in our lives. And it's just yeah. like, we have no other experience. I mean, we've done other shows and whatever, but nothing would be the same as what we were doing with Marina City at that time. And it's just so crazy on how little now that may feel. But at that time, it was just like, you know, everything's great. Everything is just rose-colored glasses, All everything. Definitely. Yeah, super true. I think it's it's funny, even listening back lyrically, I feel like... Uh, like you're you're like so angsty, Ryan. Like those those lyrics are so angry about you know probably stuff that just does not even matter in the grand scheme of things anymore. You know, <laughs> a lot of just like like the new stuff. Like you're talking about like some actual heavy real life shit, <laughs> and here you're like, my friend was mean to me in high school, <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, yeah. like, funny to listen back to these songs and just be like, yeah, we were, like, so pissed and so passionate in yeah. some of those lyrics, and they were just, like, now looking back. At, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it specifically, but it's I like, actually think that uh, Chimera was angrier, but I also think that Chimera yeah. came with a lot of baggage, which we'll talk about in another episode. In the wake of Dreaming, it was, I don't even know what to write about, you know? Like, it was just like, well, yeah. um, all my experiences kind of seem trivial now, but, like, you know, When Friends Become Enemies was about a song about a kid that <laughs> kind of backstabbed me in, like, middle school. And then, like, Goodbye, Lean. I, actually, I didn't write. That was actually uh, uh, Brian's song. And that seems like a song like, oh, you know, I just breaking up with your high school girlfriend. And Last Chance was thinking at the age of 17 that this would be my last chance being in a band. And so let's write a song about having the last chance being in a band. Now it's been, you know, eight years since then or whatever the or, 10 years, I guess now I'm 27, but, uh, it's so God, crazy to think disgusting. that, and, you know, it, and it's like, and, and like fly away, dude, fly away was about, uh, 
about Lindsay's ex-boyfriend and uh, I was just dating her for maybe a year at the time and saying like, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be way better than he was ever. So like, let's fly away together. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like all those, but those things is like, you know, what do you even write about at 17 years old when, and I don't know if I really found my voice in it and what I was trying to uh, trying to talk about. And it was just like, and that's why I think it was so bright-eyed bushy-tail. That we were just yeah, like totally. We were just we were just becoming friends. Everything was just like clicking. Things were just like, oh, let's. This is what my favorite like artists are writing about. So I'm going to write about that too. My experience of that as a 17 year old or 16, depending on when I wrote it. Yeah, I think all of us as people were definitely just in a in a younger like, just in a younger mindset. I feel like this, the the music we listened to was a little bit just less refined and more energetic and optimistic. I mean, you're not saying that I don't listen to some of that stuff now, but I, but it's definitely, thinking back on it, I was definitely a much, uh, like you said, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> it's kind of sad to think about now, you know? Uh, I was tired, But, man. you know, there's a lot of optimism, <laughs> but you, we just have so much, we just know so much more now uh, about life. And, you know, it makes you a little bit more cynical when you grow up or whatever the case is um, with it. And like even our bright eye bushy tail song now, Strawberry, still has a cynical thought to it when it's about, you know, the uh, your consequences of your actions when you're thinking with your dick and not with your head. You know what I'm saying? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I will you, you say I will say that I think Oh Chicago is what was reason why that was such an outlier of the record, uh, because I do think that that song. Uh, I was the most metaphoric on that song that can carry weight to now because it could be about anything and we never really talked about what that song was about. And I think that's why this song still holds with a lot of fans today because it's like they can make it up however they want. It doesn't really matter. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, yeah, I think the other songs are kind of goofy. But hey, that's we're the product of who we were at that time. But you know, you know what's so funny about you know us going into this this record so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed is I genuinely feel that at the end of it, we came out with like like a pretty solid sounding EP. Yeah, man. I you mean, know? we were like, like, like I we, said, you were 15, I was 17 when we were recording this. And, yeah, man. And you know, I mean, we were young kids, like, and we just found out who we were. Like, we were just like, well, like, found out each other, you know, we were just learned about each other. And to be able to write a record like that and still people want those songs to be heard are, are really cool. Yeah, I think yeah. that's like I mean, awesome. Keep going, Eric. My bad. <laughs> oh, I was. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely like a goofy EP, you know, like lyrically and the riffs sometimes are like like what the hell's going on? But it's like somehow like Mike Govert was a magician and made a sound actually really good. It's so funny that that EP sort of holds up sonically. I mean, yeah. up to, up well to that, uh, all the record, every record I've done prior to that, I recorded myself or recorded in like my friend recorded it. So it was like the first time really working with somebody that like knew his way around the, the board. And we actually paid. That was actually the first time I've ever paid for recordings. Every time before that, I got free recording from something because either I was signed and I was doing something there with the demos or whatever the case was, so it was always free. So that was also a challenge, like having to save up allowances. I didn't have, I, I worked at Journeys uh, and just saved some money from like working part-time at Journeys shoe store to pay for that. And that's so interesting to think about how that, you know, how that works. I worked at a Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Chili's saving up for... In the wake of dreaming, and I remember getting 
picked up from high school by like Ricky and Brian sometimes to go to the city to record like that. Yeah, like I or to go to shows. Oh, I and stuff. That. Like I remember going and and yeah, like that's a like I do believe that sonically that record can still stand on its own. Like it doesn't sound bad like at all. And and that was my first time recording ever. I had never recorded in a studio. The only recording I did was setting up like a camcorder and playing and then I couldn't didn't know anything about about that. I just really wanted to do it. <laughs> Two things I wanted to say before while we wrap this up here since we're getting past the half hour mark. But you know what? This is talking about a an album that was released eight years ago and you know we're doing a whole grand scheme of things so it's going to be a little longer than each individual song but one question i have is how has the music industry changed from then to now how do you guys feel about that eight years ago when we're writing and recording in the wake of dreaming and now releasing the crush how have things changed i think with with us as people, we've just learned the industry and we've gotten to know people better and we've gotten to meet more people. Um, the industry in itself, I do feel like when we released In the Wake of Dreaming that uh, the streaming platforms were just starting to like creep up and it was still very much CD sales. I remember hustling those physical EPs all throughout everywhere in my high school and in town. Like, um, so I think the biggest difference is like how people consume music eight years ago was way, way different. Yeah, I remember specifically that we wanted to make sure we try to make the longest EP we possibly can to an album because we wanted to have as many songs as possible and release many songs as possible. Where now we're like the crush wasn't even supposed to be an EP, it was supposed to be just singles. And we released three singles within a year or whatever. And now we're releasing music all the time, but in different kind of projects. Because at the time, back then, people wanted albums. Now it's like, hey, I just want as much content as possible to me. I, I also feel like when we released In the Wake of Dreaming, the local scene in Chicago in particular was like booming. People were stoked about local music. People were interested in it. People were going to shows all the time. You know, like, and we had no problem selling those those CDs. Like, I remember specifically going to a movie theater. I think it was like, like one of the Batman movies was coming out, and we were like hustling CDs to people waiting in line at midnight, and people were buying them. It was crazy. Like, you could never do that now. You could hand out free CDs. We did that like a couple of years ago. Matt and Aaron went and handed out free CDs after a Jesse J concert, and people were like. Hell no. I don't want that. Yeah, that was crazy, man. I would sell CDs everywhere. At the mall, I would sell CD. Like, I'd get in trouble at the mall. But, yeah, I would try to, like, be like, hey, you guys trying to find some new music? And people would be like, yeah, here, let me buy it from you. It's only five bucks. And now I feel like you can't even get someone to scan anything to get it free on their phones. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, they just got to go right to Spotify. Hey, is it on Spotify? All right, cool. Then whatever. Yeah. And then you're right. Spotify was barely a thing. I was learning about it in college and we were like down, we were like not into Spotify. We we're like, what? No way. I'm not doing that. We're going to, we're going to just keep doing the CDs and look where that got us. We, there's not even a CD release of the crush. Um, so, and the last thing I want to do a speed round here. Okay. I'm going to say a, I'm going to say a song from the EP and then I want you to say one quick fact that comes to your mind as quick as possible. Okay? All right. So we're going to go in a circle. We're going to go Eric, Matt, 
and then me. And I'm sorry, I say Matt, but his also name is Diano. You call him Diano, I've called him Matt since he was in diapers. So, all right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me like, you son of a oh bitch. My <laughs> all, right. all right, speed round, ready? Here we go. Ready, Eric? Uh, yeah. Wait, do I have to start every time? God, When friends become enemies. <laughs> um, 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 the, that electronic breakdown was like, like we designed that with uh, Mike Gobert in the studio and we were so happy with it but now it's kind of cheesy but it's great wait which song Diano. wait which song in the wake of dreaming oh, no, I'm sorry whoa whoa I'm sorry when friends become enemies vocal debut that was my vocal debut and everybody loved my voice on that <laughs> this is where friends become enemies <laughs> <laughs> alright um that, I kind of feel like I said a bunch of different facts for that already. So thinking about it, um, when friends become enemies. Oh, Aaron hates that song, and so that's why we never perform it live. We had to retire it once Aaron got in the band just a few months later. That's that true. is true. That, that is so true. <laughs> Goodbye, Eileen, Eric. Oh man. Um, um, oh, I guess we already said Brian wrote it. Dang it. I don't have nothing. I don't have nothing. Pass. Dang, I'm nothing? coming back to you. Am I going to say vocal debut again? I remember singing. I had a little bit of that song. I was so excited to sing back in those days. I was like, man, I can't wait because it fit my voice and it was and it was in the right range. And what what part what, what part did you sing? What was it? Uh, the pre-chorus. Um, uh, uh, the woes part. Uh, no, wait, shit! I forgot what I sang. No. Da, 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 it's just complicated. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, uh, that song is actually really funny. Uh, real mix up here. Long time ago, I thought I was dating this girl, Lindsay All Over. And it turns out that uh, I wasn't. I was dating Lindsay Rolfs. <laughs> and what ends up happening is that Brian ends up dating this girl, Lindsay All Over. And that was her name on MySpace. And he ends up writing that song about her. And it's kind of a crazy situation. We'll talk about that one day. But all you got to know is that we thought for three years before Goodbye Lean came out that I was dating a certain girl. And it turns out it wasn't uh, the same girl on a MySpace name. So, all right. <laughs> Fly away, Eric. Uh, you gotta give two uh, facts panic. now. Two facts? Okay, all right. Fly away, Panic at the Disco stole the breakdown riff in Victorious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the other fact? And then two two facts? Okay. This 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 actually this is a double fact for Goodbye Lean and Flyaway. This was the first these were the first Marina City songs I ever played, and I played them in my audition for Ryan Allen. And I'd never heard them before. And they just, like, played it by themselves really quick. And they were like, all right, you got it? And then I was like, yeah, this is stupid easy. And then I played it. <laughs> Dude, we thought you were the Messiah. We were like, how the hell did he do that? We literally played the songs real quick without drums. And we're like, all right, go. And he's like, all right, whatever. And he played them. And I remember looking at, Eric, at Matt and Deanna and going, damn, dude, this dude is a savant. I Like, how does he... <laughs> How does he? How did he know that? Yeah, my and favorite. Do we my know favorite that part of the story is what easy. Eric was wearing that day. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was really good, dude. I, I'm just saying. I like looked in the mirror that morning and I was like, "All right, I look like Pete Wentz. They're totally gonna take me." <laughs> <laughs> Not Pete Wentz. And now I want to like die. Peter Griffin Wentz. 
He um, won. <laughs> yeah. Accurate. All right. Deanna. Uh, for Fly Away, yeah? Um, the one part that I can't get over in that song is right before the breakdown of Fly Away. <laughs> I just can't get over it. For those who know, <laughs> there's just... The, I remember being in the studio. I'm pretty sure when Ryan did some of those vocal takes, and I would, even back then, I was like, oh, I don't know about this one. <laughs> Dude, uh, I remember Fly Away, we thought that that was uh, so dancey. Uh, that was like probably the first song that we're like, yo, we can actually do some kind of dancey kind of stuff to this. And I also remember that the way I said bleeding was bleeding and you, your sister, oh, yes. Eric, would never let me down on that stuff. So No, she's, she still talks about that. Bleeding. And that was the first song that we ever changed um, the key to perform live because that song is ridiculously high uh, to sing live. Oh, yeah. And then we learned about, hey, we could do key changes uh, live. We don't always have to sing the exact key. All right. We, we probably we probably play in drop C sharp now because of that song. That's true. That's true. Keep your faith in me, Eric. Um, man, I was, this was my drum solo debut. I like slaved over a drum solo in a song that later became a ballad on the laundry. <laughs> like, yeah. Deanna. What did we do? <laughs> I remember that song being, uh, I listened, I tried listening to it today and the file was like corrupted. So I listened, Dude, I, tried, I, I had to download it. I thought it was my it. computer. Wait, what? That was, that was you? Okay. It, all right. We need to check that me. out then. I don't know. Worked for me. Weird. That's super weird. But um, I just remember playing that song live, and when Ricky and Brian weren't perfectly in tune, there's a little bend in the <laughs> beginning of the song that just would kill me because they would just <laughs> like oh, <laughs> oh my god. That song I wrote specifically to my parents uh, when I was going to college uh, because I was going to college for music business. And not a lot of people go to college for music business that usually laugh at that you go there for it because what what do you need music business training? You just go do it in real life. But I'm happy I did. I learned a lot from it, and I got a lot of friends from it. And Marina City would not have happened if I didn't go to Columbia College. So keep your faith in me is to my parents saying keep your faith in me. All right, my last chance, Eric. All right, this, this was... Uh... Man, I, I, okay, I got two quick ones. The first one is this This was our first bad review we ever got on a song. That's <laughs> true, yeah. So we, got, oh, we, yeah. we had our EP reviewed, and he generally liked everything, but this one he wrote, Harmony's Gone Wrong. And there's no harmonies in the song, but I assume he just meant that the gang vocals were just out of tune. <laughs> um, but then I also remember when we were writing this, specifically slaving over all the weird hits in the second verse. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. This is this is what I'm talking about is like the things that we cared about back then and what we care about now and like we got to do this for what? That, that didn't bring the song anywhere. It was just like we just got to be cool to do some guitar trick, you know what I mean? It's like I would do those hits again. Yeah, I, I'm trying to I'm sitting at a piano and I I'm looking at it. I don't even remember what the, it's like something in D minor. <laughs> and then uh, Diana, what do you got? Um it was my least favorite song to play live. Interesting. Yeah, just because that's harmony's gone wrong. Favorite. It's because it's a drum song. I in, in the verse, song. I had one note. It was oh, that's deep. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah did. Uh, to me, I mean, honestly, yeah, it's probably one of my least favorite songs on there too. I was, I based it off of uh, when writing the song, based it off of Go Radio's uh, "Dreaming in Jurassic" or "Jurassic Dreaming" or something like that off there. 
Goodnight uh, Moon EP, whatever. And I thought that that when we wrote first wrote it, we're like, dude, we're totally gonna tour with Good Go Radio. We never did. They ended up breaking up, but we did play with them once, and that they was awesome. They are back together. Yeah, they are now. Uh, not all who wander are lost. Eric. All right. I remember it was either Ricky or Brian when we first started writing this song mentioned that they wanted to write something in the key of jump. <laughs> who do you so, think said that? <laughs> I, I, Ricky. I, dude, it could go either way. I'm pretty sure it was Ricky. That sounds like so Ricky. So what that what he meant by that was he wanted to he wanted to have a song that that was the perfect tempo for like a a crowd to jump up and down. So that's that's what we did. My favorite my favorite memory with that is uh is playing that song in uh at South by Southwest at like this rooftop bar. And like, I remember, I just remember playing Not All Who Wander Are Lost in Austin, Texas so much. And I loved every single time. We, Cause I, I'm pretty sure we closed out with that song. For yeah, we used to close out with that all the time. Yeah, and that was that was literally some of my favorite shit. Cause it, it was in the key of jump. <laughs> yeah, I would literally the, that's the first time, it only time we ever wrote a song that had quarter, uh, quarter time at the end, right? Yeah. And yeah. I thought that was so cool. I mean, you're, like you said, I had some great memories with that song. At the end, uh, we played a loft party after after like this biggest mouth like performance at Columbia College. And we did this loft party and we performed that song and we went fucking nuts. And that was the first time I ever crowd surfed and the people picked me up and I, I kissed this dude on the head and I'm just like jumping up. You remember that? The loft party? That was actually so sick. That was, that was like some of my favorite one of the coolest shit. shows we've ever played. And people were just loving everything everyone was drunk and we played this song and we just went nuts uh and it was it was such a great crowd participation song at the time all right and uh, lastly oh chicago uh eric this one's actually a cool producer trick that i'm surprised i've never done ever again but there's actually two drum tracks in this song so mike govera producer had me record one drum track and then had me do it again, but slightly different. And then hard panned him. So each ear is hearing like a different drum track. And then it kind of comes together to like one weird drum track at the end. This is another one of my favorites for live stuff. Uh, I've always wanted to re-record this song. But originally when recording, this was again another vocal debut. I started this song. I, I was the one who led into the song. And people would always say, man... Ryan sounds so good in the beginning of Oh Chicago, and it would crush me. It would crush me. It, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no one believed them. Uh, I think that's super cool about the crush. I think what's yeah. super cool about Oh Chicago is that's probably like a no joke, like eleven year old song. It's a it's an old song. That thing's going to middle school now. But the other thing that's really cool is that the first time that we, and really the only time we've ever used a real string quartet in there. Right? Or was it trio? Yes. No, it was a quartet, right? Mm-hmm. Trio. It, it was, was a trio. trio. And I remember hearing that, and Mooney, our bass player at the time, like, I remember holding on to him because we'd been playing together for so long, probably six, seven years prior to that. And I was just like, I was going to cry. Like, I couldn't believe we actually had strings, real strings on this. And at the end, when it just resolves at the end, it just whoo, melts your heart. I remember that. Anyways, this was a great... This was awesome to go down memory lane of In the Wake of Dreaming. I hope that if anyone's still listening to this, you found um, 
comfort in knowing that we still care about the music and and even maybe a little bit why we've changed so much and and the how it all started and and how it got us to where we're at today it's been awesome if you were here when we released this record thank you so much if you are new to marina city thank you for wanting to hear something about our old stuff you guys are the greatest fans in the world so thank you matt diano thank you eric thank you guys so much Check us back when we do the Chimera episode. You're listening to The Crush Podcast. See ya. That was The Crush Podcast by Marina City with your host, Ryan, and also joining you, Eric and Diano, for this special edition episode of In the Wake of Dreaming. You can listen to all podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow the band on all social media at Marina City Band, and make sure to go check out the new documentary series, The Crush Chronicles, on YouTube. Right now, we are releasing each week on Wednesdays a new episode about each individual member of the band to learn a little bit about their behind the scenes stories, their secrets, and how they got in Marina City. So thank you guys so much for listening. This is The Crush Podcast.